You are listening to a Banzai Retro Club podcast. Language and topics may not always be appropriate for younger listeners. Press 1 for a groovy topic from the 1970s. Press 2 for an awesome topic from the 1980s. Or press 3 for a slamming topic from the 1990s. Please choose now. Too late. We have made your selection for you. Let's start the show. This is a something podcast. Club. I am Dave. Online, I have got Suzanne. Hi there. And Rose. Hello. Hello. Uh, what we are going to do is uh, we're going to continue our end of the year wrap up episodes. Uh, so we've already recorded our uh, our take on the year 1970. We're going to continue that with this episode, which is going to be the year 1980. So uh, as we do, uh, what we do is we look at the uh, the current year that's ending, which is 2020 when we're recording this, uh, and uh, look back at the the final digit of that year, and then do the you know the, the same for 70s, 80s, and 90s uh, that we cover. That didn't make a lot of sense, but hopefully you got it. <laughs> so. Um, Part of our breakdown for uh, each of this is, you know, we either look at, we're talking about uh, pop culture, we're talking about the movies, we're talking about the music that was out. So we're just going to be focusing on things that happened in the year 1980. Uh, and just looking at the um, the uh, uh, the breakdown or the uh, the link that I sent to Rose and Suzanne, the the first thing that popped into my you know, my attention, you know, there's plenty of stuff that happened that year, but I would say like probably the one that was the, like a, a big influencer into my podcasting, uh, situation, career, whatever you want to call it was, uh, Pac-Man was introduced in the year 1980. Pac-Man. <laughs> and there was, that was fun. yeah, back in, uh, back in 80s reboot, there was this period where we were getting close to the anniversary for Pac-Man. It was the 25th uh, anniversary. And so I, you know, it's like I got all into it. You know, I mean, I was talking to the guy that played the first perfect game of Pac-Man, which is Billy Mitchell. 
um, I talked to um, the uh, the VP that was in charge of Level 257, which was a Namco-themed Pac-Man restaurant in Schaumburg, Illinois. Um, so I got really into this the, the hype of the 25th anniversary of Pac-Man. And I thought, you know, that was it. You know, that's the bomb. You know, I was like, I had exclusive access to all these guys. And it, it's like, it, it went by with just like a little murmur. And I was like, you know, but, you know, all this hype, you know, and I realized it was, you know, the, that the people like me that really were digging into nostalgia, you know, we gravitated towards for that one minute and said, hey, it's 25 years old. Yay. Okay. Let's move on. <laughs> yeah no fair yeah i know it was uh, just like a, you, know, you you took a beat and you're like oh cool and you're like oh all right well that's it um and you know the 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 thing that really kind of struck me was you know the lore of the level 256 you know which is the split screen you get and you know because that's when the uh the memory you've maxed out the memory of the game and so you have this split screen, and in order to get a perfect game, you have to have all your remaining players, you know, where you haven't died once at all, and then you have to collect the last bit of dots, then basically kill yourself, and then do that with all your remaining lives in order to get the perfect score. Wow. Yeah, and it was just it's, it's phenomenal to think about it. Uh, and it wasn't until that time that I learned about the, you know, how to hide Pac-Man, which is basically there's a spot on the game where you can just park Pac-Man and provided a ghost didn't see you go there, you can leave that indefinitely and you would never die. And I thought that was so interesting because I had no idea that even existed. But uh, Billy Mitchell, when he was talking to us, which consequently that episode with interviewing Billy Mitchell was the first episode I did with Scott. Hmm. And, um, you know, he had told us, you know, which wasn't really a secret at that point, but, you know, for those that were, you know, wanting to play these, you know, the perfect games and, you know, do these things, they could actually, when they find out these little secrets, that's how they get by with being able to do bathroom breaks or get food or whatever, what have you. And it's like, oh, okay. You know, suddenly this feels a lot more attainable other than somebody sitting there for, you know, whatever it's going to take, you know, you know, a few hours in order to get, you know, a perfect game. Um, but yeah, I, I, I got into the hype, like I said, you know, probably a little bit more than most people because, you know, the podcast helped fuel it. Um, did either one of you have a relationship with Pac-Man? A relationship? Sure. Yeah. <laughs> but not that Miss Pac-Man would know. Okay. Uh, well, you know, uh, it was it was fun. Pac-Man was a lot of fun. I'll never get the little tunes out of my head that I used to play. <laughs> and it was the kind of thing where it started showing up in bars and things that I was just starting to sneak into. Because <laughs> I was, what, 16, 17 around this time. Uh, and, yeah, it, it, was, it was a big phenomenon. But I was not a gamer. Like, I was never quite that up on, you know, like, uh, getting to a point where you're, you know, talking about how to get to the perfect game and, you know, know all the tricks and stuff, that I never got to that point with any game, really. Right. I was not usually coordinated. But it was more like a cultural thing. Like, nom, 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 Pac-Man was just like, 
Ain't chewing scenery out there. <laughs> nom, 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 Yeah, yeah. Yep. And, you know, little ghosts and cherries. It was all very cute. Uh, you know, and then Miss Pac-Man came along after a while, you know, a little bow on her head. And, you know, it was simple enough that anybody could play it, but I wasn't like an ace or anything. Sure. What about you, Rose? Were you uh, in the arcades? <laughs> no, I was a grown-up by then, and uh, <laughs> I had uh, really no interest in video games. I did play, when I was still at home, I played Pong on my cousin's TV for a minute, and then that was kind of boring. Um, it did. It looked like a cute game. It, I I was impressed by the graphics and the design of it, I think, mainly because it had taken such a giant leap into the future uh, since I had played. And uh, never once thinking that it would be this cultural phenomenon that it became. And never once thinking that any child I ever gave birth to would ever want to, you know, sit in front of the TV for hours and, you know, try to finish the game. Everybody, every, well, the boys did it, but my daughter never did anything like, she never liked video games. She still doesn't. But, uh, yeah, so it's always kind of like, oh, that's cute. And then, you know, you just kind of move on. Yeah, and I know I know you wouldn't get into your GM with video games until Tetris. Right. 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 And you you shared that story oh, with us. Right. Yeah. Yeah, and then then you went full <laughs> obsession. Full <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Good times. Yeah. You know, my kids played some updated version of of Pac-Man on the PC, and it was all, you know, 3D graphics and stuff. It just wasn't. It didn't have the same charm. No. Yeah, at that um, that same restaurant that I mentioned, Level Two Fifty Seven, um, they actually have a um, that what they what they're trying to do is the um, the idea behind the restaurant, the bar, whatever is around the social aspect of you know having you know going out with friends and hanging, playing video games, and that kind of thing. So they actually have a a uh, four player Pac Man. Uh, setup where you can actually play against you know the, the people you're with, um, nice. and then when you eat that you know like the um, like the power pellet you get like supersized and you're able to eat the other Pac-Mans and you know it's it's really kind of fun you know so it's like Cute. you know you you had to evolve it like that in order for it to be you know I I guess up the ante you know to keep it interesting. Because otherwise, mm -hmm. it's just a little pizza guy, you know, pizza-looking guy eating, you know, pellets. So, mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of hard to compete with like the uh, the games of today. I think. Oh man, yeah, that's true. Yep. But it's good that they kind of incorporated it into the dining experience. Yeah, very true. Yes. Yes. Now the other thing that popped yeah. out with me from the uh, uh, the news headlines was um, this is something that. Um, kind of hit me um, was I didn't live in the area at all but my grandmother and grandfather lived in Vancouver, Washington pretty much their entire lives 
Um, and yeah. this was the year that Mount St. Helens had erupted. And mm-hmm. I remember that um, my grandfather had, he said he had so much um, of the uh, the ash that was on everything. He actually had mm-hmm. a, um, it was a big bottle, it was a big plastic bottle that he had put as much ash as he could and shipped it to like grandkids and all that. And it was like years mm-hmm. before I had ever gotten rid of it. Um, so I had ash wow. from Mount St. Helens from 1980, the Mount 1980 eruption, you know, mm-hmm. up until well into my adulthood, you know, which was just to me just so, so interesting and bizarre because I think it alluded to kind of the, you know, a disaster, uh, for lack mm-hmm. of another word, you know, but, um, you know, yeah. to what Rose was saying a little bit earlier about how this year kind of had some, you know, some bad vibes as well. And uh, mm-hmm. I, I think in that local area, you know, it was definitely a bad juju. But, you know, for me, yeah, it was, it was just like cool Pompeii. because I was able to go, yeah. oh, look, I got a little dust thingy that I can play with. So <laughs> <laughs> I wonder how much that would go for now on eBay if you still had that. Oh, the... Like what would. Yeah, I don't know. I, I, I wouldn't even I wouldn't even think to, like, look that up. That's interesting. Yeah. I, um, <laughs> it was actually kind of funny because I remember when we went to Germany, and I think we went in April. Something about the military shipping people out in April. Just kind of went, hmm, okay. And I remember seeing the headlines or saw it on the news or heard it on the AFN. I have no clue. And, uh, I remember thinking, A, where is Washington State? <laughs> and B, oh, my God, that sucks. And then, of course, as luck would have it three years later, guess where rogues gets sent. It's like, really? Uh-huh. You sent me here with the freaking volcanoes? <laughs> you lost your mind? <laughs> so, yeah, so it was um, it was scary to think that something like that could happen in modern times. I mean, you, you know, you hear about stuff like that in Hawaii places like that all the time but you just figure oh it's because they got volcanoes all right we get it you're an island you get volcanoes but you know washington state yeah not possible but then again you you think of volcanoes as like this tropical phenomenon Mm -hmm. no right you do yeah Yeah. i don't think it's gonna happen in washington (laughs) no and then of course now They've got, you know, Mount Rainier, you know, he's been rumbling for the last 25, 30 years. And uh, it's just like, yeah. okay, so shh, be quiet. No more rumbling from you. We've <laughs> <laughs> had enough, life. thank you. Yeah, Mr. We, Mr. Rainier. <laughs> no, we don't need to add that to, does that, we don't need more disasters this year or mm-hmm. next year. We need a break from it, please. So. Exactly. Yep. So, yeah, so that that was a big sucky one. Um, all right. So, Suzanne, are there any of these uh, news headlines that popped out at you? Yeah, you know, you know what I remember? John Lennon getting shot. Yep, that would do it. Yeah. Big deal. Uh, yeah. You know, I was kind of musical. Most of the kids that I hung around with had some kind of relation to music. 
Um, I remember waking up, having the alarm clock go off that, that morning, and I always had, you know, the radio on, and they were just playing all Beatles songs. And I started thinking to myself, is it some kind of an anniversary or something that I don't know about? What the hell's going on? And, you know, then mm-hmm. I heard, and it was, it was really kind yeah. of a blow. And almost more, like, it, it almost meant more to me going forward, like, year after year, than it, it than it did in the moment. You know, it was it was strange in that, uh, like the history of, uh, like back in, in 1980, it fe- felt like the Beatles weren't that far away. Like John Lennon had just come out with a new album with Yoko Ono, and oh, you know, it was still kind of in the consciousness of 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 and on, in the in the stores and that kind of stuff. Yeah. But you know, decades later, and it's still a big deal. You know that. Yeah his life got taken away so so quickly and so young and just so just like from some kind of rabid horrifying fan um i remember um it was uh the anniversary just passed recently i think it was december 8th uh i remember that the um the kids from art class in my high school we had certain sections um where there were breezeways and it was glass so you could go from one end of the high school to the other um and they always painted you know, like Christmas scenes and stuff on them. And somebody painted John Lennon on the, the breezeway. I remember going nice. back and forth past the painting that uh, nice. that the art class did. And just being very reverent, you know? It, mm-hmm. Especially when you're that young, you, not that many of your idols just die, you know? Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it, it was painful. It was painful. Yeah, I I was more into the like early Beatles stuff, and I think as they had evolved kind of into, you know, what they were doing in, you know, their latter years, you know, the Sgt. Peppers, at that moment, mm-hmm. I wasn't really, that didn't really gravitate to me. It wouldn't be until, you know, years later that I would appreciate like Sgt. Peppers. Um, so I do have an appreciation for that, but it was just kind of like, you know, they had that evolution where they got kind of trippy. Um, uh-huh. and you know, that wasn't, you know, at that moment, that wasn't really my, my bag. And so, you know, the, you know, the John Lennon, Yoko Ono kind of thing, it was kind of like, uh, didn't really affect me. So, you know, while, you know, I know it's significant. And I realized, you know, the genius that was John Lennon, I just, you know, at that moment in time, you know, I was all of, you know, for most of the year, nine years old, you know, it didn't affect me. Mm -hmm. But, you Mm -hmm. know, years later, I have that, you know, the appreciation that uh, we, you know, we had lost something there. Yeah. See, you know what, when I was, when I was young, uh, we had my my father played a little bit of guitar. We had a guitar in the house. Um, my brother started playing guitar, but not to, for years later. And we were all very musical, and, and we all sang. Um, even my my dad, when he was young, even he sang like doo wop songs and stuff. Um, we had this great big fat Beatles songbook that had every single song, and there were like hundreds of them. <laughs> and <laughs> I remember we used to have fun. We used to sit and we only had like two or three songbooks um, of, of sheet music. He would sit with his guitar and play the Beatles songs and we would all, and we would all sing together. Uh, awesome. And that was, 
like a really nice, like we didn't do that that often. Like it, it was me and my, my brother doing stuff. Um, my parents, you know, they argued, they, you know, they did crazy stuff, whatever. <laughs> mm-hmm. Those were really nice moments uh, um, that I remember of us all sitting down and doing something together. We're singing those Beatles songs from that Beatles anthology sheet music songbook. So I don't know. It was just kind of something that we all had in common. It, it was all our music. It wasn't like one generation or another. We Beatles were kind of transcendent. So, so I kind of connected with John Lennon and Paul McCartney. Sure. And, and I could definitely, you know, you telling that story that, you know, I, I could see why you would have that, you know, that kind of connection, you know, to the, specifically to the music. Yeah. So. I guess. Yep. Um, Rose, John Lennon's death, did, uh, how'd that affect you? Oh, man. Um, it was, it was, um. It was powerful. Uh, I remember I was at work, working in the hospital. I was in Germany, and I remember being in the elevator and getting out of the elevator and someone meeting us at the elevator going, oh, my God, did you guys hear? Somebody shot John Lennon. And I'm just like, oh, stop it. It's too early in the morning. No, really, they did. He's dead. It was this crazy guy that said Jody Foster told him to do it. I was just like, you know, I I think I need coffee because this is like too early in the morning. And um, lo and behold, uh, going into the cafeteria and, you know, AFN is playing or whatever is the music portion of AFN. And uh, you hear one of the airmen say and that was love me do by the beatles uh once again uh breaking news john lennon shot outside of his apartment building in new york city this morning and uh and i'm just like wow what holy shit you can't shoot john lennon he's a fucking beetle man what the hell's wrong with you like, you know, he wasn't <laughs> shoot anybody else. Don't shoot And certain Don't people shoot you feel Beatles. Yeah, crazy you feel certain people are invincible. You know, and yeah. just like 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 Princess Diana. Like what the oh. hell has that have ever happened? Yes. Oh my god. John Lennon. So was did it Yeah. You know, he was Foster, I think, was the Reagan um uh assassination attempt. That I don't think that was John Lennon. But in any case Oh, okay. Sorry. I thought it was, I got it it was a fan. Up. It was a crazy yeah. fan. Crazy fan. Oh, that's right. Okay. Sorry. Who asked for his like, autograph? Sorry, Jodie Foster. I got you mixed up with yeah. somebody. <laughs> Reagan. Who asked for that inaugurated? Yeah. I, <laughs> it was almost like a year later, though. It was around the same time. Oh, yeah. Yeah. He was, he was, he was the guy, though. But, yeah. No, so that was very depressing. And it definitely took the mood down considerably, and everybody just kind of walked around. The rest of the day with her shoulders slumped over and and re- reliving stories about, you know, the first time they saw the Beatles or the concert today. And, and everybody had all these stories. Do you know my dad's uncle used to work for John Lynn's next door neighbor? And it's just like, <laughs> wow. Normally that wouldn't be a big deal, but you're like, oh, really? Because that's the whole six degrees of separation. It's like, your dad knew John Lennon, you know? So, yeah. So it was it was very depressing, and of course, you know, your heart went out to Yoko, and and uh, you didn't really hear a whole lot about Julian, but you know, Sean, 
his son, I mean, that was, you know, with his son with Yoko, that was, you know, you just immediately correlate, just like, oh, my God, they must just be devastated, you know. And um, it just, we felt, we felt it as a country. We felt it as the world. I can't even say that because he wasn't mm-hmm. even British. So, you know, the world, you know, felt that. So, so but yeah. Here's what Google just taught me. Uh, okay. His killer was Mark David Chapman, an American yes. an American Beatles fan who had traveled from Hawaii. Chapman said mm. he was angered by Lennon's lifestyle and public statements, especially his much publicized remark about the Beatles being more popular than Jesus and the lyrics oh, that... of his later songs God and Imagine. Mm. A lot of people a lot of Christians don't like that song. They look at that as something that's like the Antichrist. And it's just, how can you take a song? Well, because it's, you know, the minute they you say that to them, they're like, oh, well, imagine that there's no religion. I'm like, can't we do that? Because it doesn't seem to be working. Seriously. And why, how you feel put out by that, I'll never know. But it's not saying imagine that there's no God. It's just saying there's no religion. Because orig- religion's the one that's, you know, screwing everybody over. Yeah, but yeah, that's that's nuts. It, it, it's weird that I'm the words that I read there. He's an American Beatles fan, so this guy was a fan of the Beatles, but said, "You know what? I'm just not digging it." John, you're out. <laughs> yeah, sorry, he was a whack job. Yeah, uh, he had mental problems. Yeah, obviously. Did he die? <laughs> I yeah, he died or something. Yeah. Uh, all right, so um, Suzanne, do you, any other headlines that are popping out at you that affected you? Mm-hmm. I remember the Iran hostage crisis being a, a big deal. Now, I don't think it initiated in. Uh, I think I think the hostages were taken in 1979, but it yep. was. I remember throughout that school year, which uh, went on into 1980, um, it being a big deal. I remember yeah. wearing a button. Uh, like a big metal button that said "fuck Iran." Right. Ooh, yep. That my teachers asked me to not wear. <laughs> but uh, we were angry as as students, and it, uh, it's not like I was the number one most politically aware kid, but we were yeah. we were angry, you know, like nationally, we were very angry. Um, and I, I felt it was justified. I felt the button was justified. I remember that. Uh, but I remember yeah. that hitting my school as well, where it was just like you knew you were angry at them for you know this hostage thing, but that's all you really knew, <laughs> because if yeah. somebody started to like spoon feed some news into you, you're kind of like, all right, I'm done. <laughs> that's boring. Yeah. <laughs> Too much information. Yeah. I just know they're bad. Mm-hmm. They're bad over there. They're doing something evil. Mm-hmm. They've got our people. That's that's all I need to know. They're bad. Yeah. It was like an, it was like an insult. <laughs> yeah. You know. Yeah, it was. It was totally an insult. And the fact that uh, Lord bless him, President Carter couldn't get him back, you know. Yeah, that the for the inauguration, such, for Reagan's inauguration. Yeah, and then, you know, Reagan, of course, you know, comes along and saves the day. And uh, the thing of it is, uh, I probably knew more about it than I wanted to at that point because now and I'm in the service yeah. and they're uh, I don't know if 
we were on high alert in Germany because that's where they brought them. They brought them to Rhein-Main Air Force Base to the hospital there. And um, we we were on armed alert for the whole time that they were there. And we were sitting outside. Uh, we had a, like a four-hour guard duty post with our M16s. And uh, you were out there whether you wanted to be out there or not. And we checked everybody's ID as they were coming in the hospital. And that's just our hospital, you know, because you couldn't take any chances. And you were given orders, no ID, no entrance. I don't care who you are. So I remember getting into this argument with this one-star general, retired, because I should know who he is and let him in. Like, it doesn't work like that. We're on high alert for a reason. You don't have an ID. Mm -hmm. I don't know who you are. Well, I want to speak to your sergeant. I said, gladly. I called my sergeant. Yeah, you're doing your job. Good for you. Yeah. Handed him the phone. This is one-star general wants to talk to you. He goes, oh, please, put him on. (laughs) (laughs) Enlisted officers, you know, they don't don't get along out. And he's like, sir, you know, all due respects, but you don't have your ID. You're not coming in my hospital. You could be the bad guy. And he slammed the phone down. He goes, I've never heard such shit in my life. I'm the bad guy now. And gets in his car and, like, peels out. <laughs> I was just trying so hard not to laugh. I was like, you know, please. all he needed was an ID. Jeez. Yeah. <laughs> you just walk out of your house without your wallet? Don't they, don't they give you those in the military? I'm sure. It's some escape one somewhere. I come here all the time without my ID. I was like, I don't know how they let you in. You ain't coming in here today. You know? So, but yeah, so that was like, it was pretty scary. It was a big deal. All I kept saying is like, please, God, I don't really want to shoot anybody. I don't really, I don't want to, wow. <laughs> I know I get paid to do that, but I really don't want to. But yeah, but that sense of pride though, you know, it's just like, mm-hmm. you know, that, that whole sense of pride just because, you know, they got, they let him go. And it's just like, man, that was just, whew. That was awesome. It was really awesome. All right, so Rose, are there any of these headlines that are popping out at you? Well, you know me. I'm I'm always the one that goes for the, the worst stuff. But uh, other than Ronnie being elected president, uh, Yasser Arafat, of course, was elected president of the Palestine National Council. If that means anything to anybody. I don't know. Probably not. Uh, John Wayne Gacy. Ooh. And I didn't know a killer clown. I truthfully didn't know anything about this man until like years later. People kept throwing the reference out for killer clown. I'm like, oh, what are you talking about? Um, and they're like, don't you remember John Wayne Gacy sentenced to death for murdering, you know, 30? I was like, uh, no, I don't know how that escaped my purview, but apparently it did. But then being in the military kind of does that. It just uh, mm. stuff, you know, they let you know stuff and sometimes they don't. Um, that, uh, I remember that the, unfortunately the MGM Grand Hotel caught on fire in Las Vegas. I remember my mom had worked there at some point when she was working in Las Vegas. And I thought that was really sad because I remember uh, the Jackson 5 had played there a lot. So I thought that was kind of a bummer. Uh I think that was it. What about you, Dave? You got any? Uh, I was just looking up John 
uh, Wayne Gacy, uh, 33 boys mm-hmm. and young men in the yeah. 70s. Ugh. 33. Yeah. 33. Yeah. That's just that's, Place of birth? Chicago. Oh, yep. that's scary. Yeah. I was born in Chicago. I'm not a killer clown. <laughs> What's your <laughs> fucking excuse? Now, I, oh, wait, you're not... Yeah, I um the headlines I kind of uh, I I brought up at the top, you know, Pac Man and um, uh, Mount St Helens. The other only one that uh, is you know still significant to this day is uh, you know courtesy of you know the year nineteen eighty. Thank you everybody. Is uh, Post it notes still use those things? Oh, yep. Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. And you and you know it's so funny. That's the first thing I thought of. I don't know, maybe Suzanne will. Will you know back me up on this? Uh, when I was watching uh, Romy and Michelle High School, I was I was thinking about that too. <laughs> and they said that they had been posted so she was like, "You were what six? <laughs> you know, I didn't it notice that post until now. But you know, it's just like, uh, no, you did not even even more a pl- non plausible reason for you not to have invented posted yeah. notes. That was kind of a kind of a funny angle, though, that they decided. Yeah. Let's think of something that we invented. Oh, post-it notes. <laughs> Nobody knows who invented it, you know, except for you know Janine Garofalo, but then she knows everything. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But if you haven't seen the movie, they went to their high school reunion and were trying to find a reason to kind of show off. So they decided they were going to tell everybody they 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 created post-it notes. And they made fools of themselves, but <laughs> absolutely, because Janine Garofalo knows the guy. Yeah, that through him they went to school together. <laughs> yeah, they they got called out. They totally got called out, <laughs> yep. but it's okay. They came back in their imitable fashion, and all was well. Yeah, they did a little dance number, you know. Yeah, Ellen Cumming. <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of cool. So, oh, yeah. so other things that the uh, year 1980 gave us, they gave us the Rubik's Cube, um, which uh, I alluded to that I uh, I can't solve, but I you know like everyone else, I figured out you can remove the stickers and put them in the right order. So um, that's how that was handled in the 1980s for me. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, and then CNN, uh, which has become almost yeah. a quasi obsession of mine lately, is um, because. Yeah, it, it may have started somewhere around the uh, uh, the impeachment of Donald Trump, um, and it's like you know now it's almost become like a daily thing where I'm either if I'm not checking the app, I'm at least turning on the station once just to see what's going on. Um, but unfortunately, you know the majority of the news is you know about COVID. You yeah, know, so, I won't give them the satisfaction. <laughs> yeah, so it um you know. But like I said, it, it's become one of those things where I've—it's like I've got to check in with them, you know, on a on a daily basis. But I may not give them hours of my time, but I do give them, you know, the attention just to see what's going on in the world. So uh, that all started 1980. So thank you for that. You don't like CNN, Suzanne? No. No. I think they're poisonous. Poisonous. Wow. Okay. Yeah, like I just can't – when the whole pandemic started, I was getting a little addicted to going back and forth between the, the different news programs and such. And 
I stopped sleeping. Yeah. So I was like, I'm not, I can't do this. And I stopped, I stopped re- reading any of it. And that's hard to do. I'm a public relations director. I have to check, you know, different news sites all the time. So I have exposure no matter what. But I decided I can't, I can't do it. These, these people exist to make me miserable and frightened. And I can't, I can't do it anymore. So I stopped. I mean, you have to, you know, you have to inform yourself and see what's going on now and then, but. Right. Ugh. No, I, just, I, I, I know how you feel. I get it because just, it, maybe that's the reason why I limit my doses, my, my doses of them. Because if I do sit there and watch it for an extended period of time, it's nothing but depressing. So it is I get depressing. it. I totally get it. But I, I, it's one of those things where it's almost like the, you know, when my phone Beeps, I've got to look, and I'm with that with CNN. It's like I've got to look. I don't know why. Maybe I'll be able to break that habit sooner or later. <laughs> um, but, uh, okay, looking at there, – there's a um, – just for listeners' sake, um, I had done this – I did a Google search that basically looked up to see what happened – um, you know, for the year 1980, and I come up to the peoplehistory.com, and we're looking at the year 1980, and I want to bring mm-hmm. the web the web page up as kind of a source of reference right here, because uh, for those that you know, you should go to the website, should take a look, scroll down, you're going to see a section that shows toys. Ugh. There's a ventriloquist doll called a Simon Says. That was my mm. best friend in the early 80s until that little rubber really? band broke that controls his oh, mouth. Oh, he looks very creepy. Doesn't he? <laughs> he does. looks very creepy. I carried Simon around all over the damn place. Um, I don't know wow. why. I don't know why I had that. It was just one of those things. Dave, you were 10. Yeah, exactly. That's, that's disturbing. <laughs> <laughs> but as soon as I saw that, I was like, I had Simon. <laughs> <laughs> All I kept thinking about looking at these toys going, uh, no, I don't <laughs> see anything I would have got. Well, I only had the one child at the time. So I just, baby Chrissy, did we really need a baby Chrissy? And did she need to be 20 bucks? You know, Chrissy in itself was a phenomenon because, you know, her hair grew out the top of her head, which is kind of like most people. I forgot but, all about uh, that. <laughs> You, <laughs> you could twirl the back of it, just put it back down again. And it was just like, I never had any of these toys. I know I talk about being broken and whatever as a kid, but I would go to the nearest department store and just play with all this shit, you know, and then I'd come home and I'd be fine. Cause that's what my mother told me to do. We'll go into the toy section, go play with the toys, you know, <laughs> and I would do that. And of course, you know, at 20, I wasn't doing that. I was buying toys for my kids so yeah none of this stuff looked all of this stuff looked really weird yeah i was i was a teenager maybe i'm i'm sort of recognizing the racetrack the glow-in-the-dark racetrack mm-hmm. yeah the night mm-hmm. my brother might have jump. had this yeah yeah my brother might have had it but it was probably a couple of years before 1980 yeah yeah but you know other than that yeah i was learning to drive <laughs> Thank you for that call out, Rose. Yeah. I'd forgotten all about, you know, because obviously I didn't have a baby doll, you know, as a 10 year old boy. 
Um, no. But the baby Chrissy, I, I, I completely forgot that the hair grew out. So thank you for sharing. Yeah, like yeah. It. yeah. I remember the commercial now. Ponytail came out. And yeah. Yeah. It spread it around, and then I forget how you get it. To, I didn't have one either, but I think one of my no, friends. It had a little twist dial on the back. Oh, and you like rock a, a big back knob, and you just yeah, crank hey. it. Right. And then the the most okay. So this is kind of weird because later on. I remember my daughter playing with one of these, uh, probably a thrift store or something. And uh, you yank the hair out. <laughs> it just yanks the hair out, and you see the the dial do a backward spin. Right, it made and a it, big noise. I caught the You crank it around again. And she was right. more fascinated with that than she was the actual doll. I thought, oh my god. <laughs> She's gonna break this damn thing. So, but it was it was uh, Toys R Us, so nobody cared. That's where all the parents took their kids. <laughs> I'm gonna play in the damn. Let's see, I play in the toy store for an hour and then wear yourselves out, and then we'll go home. The one thing that Toys R Us and I always faulted them for this, they needed to have a freaking coffee kiosk in there for parents. If you've ever taken a child to a Toys R Us, you know, the stress, the struggle was real, you know, and the fact that they didn't even offer, I mean, they had beverages and shit like that to eat, but they needed a place to sit down and just talk to each other about their kids and just say stuff like, no, honey, that's too expensive for Santa this year. Maybe next year (laughs) because I know his budget. Okay. Take it back. You know, stuff like that. But it's (laughs) maybe if they, if they serve decaf. Oh well, there you go. But you would need to you would need the caffeine. Yeah. To kind of chase them around after you know. Them, yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I'll chase them around after they you know dress the dolls and and had the Barbies and the GI Joes to having sex with each other. So. <laughs> oh my. I'm just saying it. It, it happens. My GI Joes <laughs> did visit my sister's Barbies uh, when in the 70s. So yes. Uh, but no, there wasn't any kind of like sexual thing. It was sure they they may have went out on dates. I think if I remember right. So a little whorehouse like a Beetlejuice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I had like a whole like novel that I was creating for them. Like she was a single mother or something going out on the town. Oh well, yeah, because she's done everything, and that's the only job she never had. So. <laughs> My probably was starring, starring in like a Hallmark movie or something. Yeah. In my head. <laughs> of course. Yeah, well, you know. <laughs> you can just make up all kinds of stuff. I don't know right. why, but this just popped in my head. I'm a married spud. I'm a married spud. Barbie, yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Well, then move over from the single guys here. Come on. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Um, I don't think my kids ever played with Mr. and Mrs. Potato Head. I think, you know, by the time they had that uh, attraction, they were probably too old by then. It just, you know, it was never anything that... And they have small pieces, and of course you got to put it in... You know, because by the time a kid is actually old enough to play with it, they, you know, he won't put it in their mouth, they're not interested anymore. It's just it's just like one of those Yes, definitely. What you said. 
All right, so since I drew attention to the toys, I completely skipped over the fashion. I, I want to go back oh. up the page a little bit, and I'm curious, have, would either one of you have worn the rainbow pump? Rainbow pump? Um, it looks familiar. I probably would not have worn it, but I I seem to remember them selling this at the at the Wilco where I worked. I was actually, I was kind of big on rainbows at this point in my life when I was like 16, maybe I got a little more edgy over the next couple of years, but I never got edgy. That was probably was... too high a heel for me is the thing. I was also a little bit more up for comfort. <laughs> Yeah, I had, I had later on, I had, I didn't use the open toe. I wasn't really a fan of open toe because if you wear them too long, you know, they start to stress your feet out. But I did wear the heel. This is later on in the, my 80s wild days. But I was really into rhinestones. So anything I could find with rhinestones on it, I would definitely wear that. And I think probably the one strap pump, I really like that one. That's more oh, of a, like a character shoe. Yeah, it does. Yeah, it's actually a really good-looking shoe for comfort and style. I was going to say, it looks more looks comfortable than the rainbow pump. Yeah, absolutely. It looks more like a dance shoe. That's what a character shoe is. Yeah. Uh, what I remember, though, these are not what we're looking at here is not the hip stuff that we were wearing in high school. I right. remember the candies, slingback, you know, or like um, just like the – it didn't have a back at all. It just yeah. and those were pretty high actually, so I shouldn't you know complain. Are the mules? Yeah, yeah, they were just like little slides. You kind of at the bottom. Um, yeah. Candies were really big. That and the stacked Oxford heels. Mm-hmm. Those were kind of big. So you were either in the the high candies or the stacked Oxfords. Yeah. That's what we wore. But truthfully, if truth be told, the one at the top left with the pants stuffed down in her boots and mm-hmm. the tunic. Yeah, that was more my style in the early 80s uh, when I did wear regular people's clothing because majority of the time I had my uniform on. So, but yeah. So, if I went out, that's kind of how I looked. That's a good look. It was casual, mm-hmm. comfortable, you know. Never wore the feathered hat, though. I was going to ask that. I was going to, did the brimmed hat, would that, would either of you have rocked that? Remembering a purple felt brimmed hat with a feathered hat. I don't know what year it was. This is like dynasty stuff right here, though. No, it totally does. (laughs) High school stuff. Maybe, like, I see the pleated skirt. I remember Mm -hmm. Those kind of skirts, but I think the one that I wore, like you see the plaid of her jacket, there were mm-hmm. thing to have like that plaid on a skirt, mm-hmm. and it it yeah. wasn't have this many pleats, but it had like a certain amount of like kick pleats right. to it. And um, I was repulsed I by that. Those. I had a few of those. That was Catholic school attire to me when I was growing uh, up. I see. Yeah, it did have a little bit of a. It had more of a flare. It was a little longer, but I could see yeah. how that might. Shoot you back yeah. to Catholic school. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the jumpers. They had the jumper over the white shirt, and they had the heavy pleats in them. 
you know, the wide ones that are yeah, like they were heavy. They were winter. They were winter, like woolly. Yeah. 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 Those were kind of cool. You could find a cowl sweater, a cowl neck sweater. Yeah, cowls. Yeah, cowls were kind of big around them too. And maybe like in when we were in high school, like those velour shirts. (gasps) Those are so comfy. (laughs) Just that year, like that year, was a big year for everybody was wearing a velour shirt. Oh yeah, yeah. And then when they came out with the whole velour jumpsuit thing. Yeah. It was just like, okay, that's too much. That's just yeah, too that's, much. Right, exactly. But <laughs> just, just over now, now. <laughs> 1980, this is the year that uh, Freaks and Geeks was set in. I was about to say. Yeah. I was like, you, you're it's, totally rocking a uh, episode of Freaks and Geeks right now. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> so if you watch an episode of Freaks and Geeks, that's how all my friends dressed in high school. And I think it's the same velour shirts. Nice. Nice. All right, so we covered a little bit of toys, fashion. We talked about some uh, um, headlines. Uh, would you guys want to jump over to feature films now? Sure. Feature films. Okay. Okay, so the top ten grossing – or, yeah, top ten grossing movies for the uh, year 1980. Um, all of these actually are – I could probably spend – another hour just talking about the movies. Um, but I don't know if we want to do that. Uh, but, I mean, the biggest thing, Empire Strikes Back, uh, of course. Yeah. You know, and I remember, you know, seeing this in the movie theater and just having the socks blown off of this 10-year-old boy to find out that Darth mm-hmm. Vader was Luke's, you know, Luke's dad. And I'm like, what? What just <gasps> happened? And to me, yeah. that is just one of those wonderful movie moments that has not been replicated, you know, in my lifetime. Because it's like, you know, such a shock. I had no idea that was coming. You know, and it was yeah. such a big deal. And that's why, you know, the Star Wars franchise, for what it is, and it's wonderful, you know, for the most part, you know, I, I, I got to ignore Jar Jar. Um, but... <laughs> If I'm looking at the Star Wars franchise as a whole, it's a wonderful, beautiful universe. But at the top of that pile of wonderfulness has got to be Empire Strikes Back. You know, because because of what it delivered to me, you know, in the 80s, you know, and, and that was the gift that it was given. And then that was also the same year that. You know, my um, my mom had me circle the the catalog for all the different action figures, and I got the Darth mm-hmm. Vader collector case, and I had all of the different mm-hmm. figures, and I actually still have those. They're in my basement. They're staying with me. Um, oh, and you. you know, I I loved every moment of that. You know, I was I was on board. You know, sign me up for the newsletter, and you know, I'm a big fan. Um, so Star Wars Empire Strikes Back cannot be replicated at all. You know, loved it. Mm-mm. Yeah. Oh. Um, before I move on to the other movies, do you guys have any thoughts on that movie? Uh, I know a lot of people who think that this is the best in the series. Uh, I'm always still been partial to the, the original 1977 sure. film. But uh, I know I know a lot of people who are who feel like you do like that. 
that's the top. That's where they really peaked. Uh, and I can see that. I can see that. I just, you know, I've always been a little enamored of the, the what started it all, you know? Of course. But, yeah, yeah. But, I mean, this was a phenomenon, and I think it was maybe the first time a sequel came roaring into the theaters that people were more excited about than the original film, practically. You know, like where it – because now it was a known quantity. The original film – was uh, uh came out of nowhere right you know mm-hmm. it was yeah. all unknown people you know and people didn't know even uh you know george lucas from a hole in the ground so mm-hmm. <laughs> so surprise it took everyone by, by surprise but uh, you know once you got to the uh, to the empire strikes back forget it people people knew what they were getting into and couldn't wait so it was quite it was quite the shocker. I remember I didn't see it in the theaters. I didn't see it till later. But I remember, you know, my brother had all the figures and stuff, and uh, I remember him coming home shell shocked to tell me all about Darth Vader is actually Luke's father. Yeah. So wow. you know what a what a movie convention to go. You know, like it, that's just they outdid themselves. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't think anybody's ever come up with a, as good a twist as as that again. Very true. Yeah. All right. So the next movie on the list, Superman Two. Now this is the one that gave us Neil before Zod. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So for those you know that realize you know you had the trio of villains that had uh, been thrown out into the I want to say it's Forbidden Zone, but I could be wrong. Um, Phantom Zone. There it is. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then they uh, escaped their prison and then came to Earth, and they all had the same powers as Superman. Uh, and then, of course, they found an ally in Lex Luthor, and, you know, to me, it was just a wonderful continuation of that, and unfortunately, that was probably, you know, the first Superman and this Superman, but then after that, it kind of the wheels came off a little bit. <laughs> so... um I loved Superman 2. Uh, absolutely, you know, the Kryptonian bad guys, you know, I thought was was a perfect, you know, way to have something that Supes would have, you know, an equal chance of not being able to beat. You know, because the first movie you had Lex Luthor and you're kind of like, well, I mean, he's surrounding himself with idiots. And then you have these guys that also have superpowers, <laughs> even though one of them is an idiot. You know, it it, it still played well. You know, it, it played well for the 80s. Um, Rose, Superman 2, do you have any thoughts? Um, I remember seeing it. I can't say that I saw it in the theater. I might have seen it later on VHS. Okay. Uh, I had uh, this is a different kind of Superman for me, of course, because I grew up with TV show, and um, it was all as much as it tried not to be campy. It it really couldn't help it. Mm -hmm. But um, so this was like you know a grown-up Superman, which was great. And uh, I think Christopher Reeve did a really good job 
playing that role. Uh, still couldn't figure out why Margot Kidder was in it, but <laughs> I guess it's not for me to say. Um, she did not not a bad job. Um, it was definitely different than the first one. Um, hell of a lot different than the third one. So it was it was one of those sequels where you kind of go, hmm, okay, uh, uh, it's not horrible. I like it. And I've never honestly been a fan since, to be honest with you. Not even for the TV show or all the remakes. Okay, because they've done the ones with Henry Cavill. And it's just like, you know, you look an awful lot like Christopher Reeve. <laughs> but um, he does. Yeah. Yeah. And then to find out later he's, he's English, it's just like, oh, well done you with that fancy accent you pulled off. <laughs> Um, but it's, you know, it's just, I don't know. It just, it's, it's, it's he's no Batman. No, I'm sorry. Very true. Uh, Very true. <laughs> <laughs> it's always the bad boy. But, um, so it was a good movie. They did a really good job. I'm trying to think of the guy that played Zod. I think his name was Jonathan something or other. He would later go on and be in, uh, a lot of movies, but one of my favorites, Jumpin' Jack Flash. Or um, he plays a spy that's trying to get home. But um, yeah, it's a great movie, and uh, pretty much all I have to say about it. Okay. Um, I'm gonna just like list these movies out, but please stop me if you have a commentary for them, um, just for the uh, the sake of you know being able to get through ten. Um, mm -hmm. but, uh, number three was nine to five. Uh, this was a compilation of Jane Fonda, Lily Tomlin, Dolly Parton, uh, against their boss, Dabney Coleman. I absolutely love this movie. Um, I, you know, not only was the song iconic, you know, from Dolly, mm -hmm. but just mm -hmm. the way that, you know, the, uh, the woman power, you know, and kind of going against the establishment. Um, you know, and this movie yeah. kind of really did that in a cute way, you know, and um, I, I want to say a cute way because it, <laughs> there was actually a section of the movie that was like a dream sequence where they're all dreaming yes. of ways that they're going to do in the boss, kill him. Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. And it was just all very, you know, they're all getting high <laughs> and they're all talking about how yeah. they kill their boss. <laughs> And it was just like, you know, what 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 a great way to just really echo, you know, the, the woman empowerment. It was beautiful. Mm -hmm. Yes. It was what great. I love about, what I love about this is that Jane Fonda and Lily Tomlin now are in uh, Grace and Frankie. Yeah. Which is such a funny show. They are just freaking brilliant. So <laughs> this is kind, yeah. of, kind of a precursor. <laughs> yeah. Good, good karma. Jane Lily. Not, yeah. not karma. Good chemistry between the two of them. Right. And of course, Dolly's imitable, you know, line, I can change you from a rooster to a hen in one shot. <laughs> like, you go, girls. <laughs> yeah, she's funny. I love her. She's just, she's just too funny. Yeah, that was a great movie. I loved it. Yeah, like uh, Lily Tomlin playing, like, you know, pretty much the straight man, you know, of the group. You know, it was really, yeah. Yeah, she did that really well. She did a great job. Um. So number four, Still Crazy, we had Gene Wilder, Richard Pryor, um, uh, Pair Up, uh, which we've seen you know, in other movies, but Still Crazy, they're, uh, they're in prison. Um, <laughs> and very iconic scene of when you know, they're 
being put into like general population for the first time and you have Richard Pryor coming out going, I'm bad. I'm bad. Yeah. You know, and, we bad. We bad. Yep. <laughs> so it's like, that's what I remember from that movie. Yeah. That's the tagline from that movie. <laughs> yeah. I think that's what everybody remembers. Yeah. Really good chemistry with those two. I think they had a really good relationship uh, on and off screen mainly because they made something like that that was, if you think about you know, the controversy of it, first of all, and then, you know, later on, you, you look at something like that and go, oh, that's no big deal. But um, it's just, I don't know, it's just they, they made it work, you know, just like Gene Wilder and um, Blazing Saddles with Cleavon Little. Yeah. You know, it's just... They're like a dynamic duo. It's just really awesome. Yeah, that was definitely a uh, great, re- you know, um, I want to say relationship, but, you know, a, uh, mm-hmm. a partnership, you know, between those two. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, they're pretty funny together. Yeah. And then number five gave us Airplane, <laughs> uh, which would just con- <laughs> give Good us one. completely so many lines that we would use over and over and over oh. and over again. Um, surely you can't be serious. Uh, yes. What's your vector, vector? Roger. <laughs> Roger. Huh? Um, yeah. Just I love this movie. Oh, I know. And Leo's getting <laughs> larger. Oh, my gosh. If so I mean, still... <laughs> yeah, it's just too too much. I picked the wrong day to stop doing heroin or whatever the hell <laughs> It just keeps escalating. Yeah, I quit the wrong day. Quit smoking. Quit drinking. Quit you know shooting up. Whatever it is that he's saying, you know, it's just too funny. Uh, the the guy that was the uh, I can't remember the actual character's name, but uh, he was at the uh, control tower, and she's like, well, "What do you make of this?" <clears throat> well, I can make a hat approach her. So I was thinking the same thing as you were talking. Just say that. I still say that. It's just like, please don't give me any more fuel than I have already. But yeah, that's such a great movie, and it's it has really aged gracefully. You know, I know. Yeah, it's, it's... consider this was. I mean, it's become such such an iconic film on its own that you forget that it's actually just it's a spoof of all those. Yeah, all those um, uh, you know, disaster films that had just mm-hmm. one after the other had come out in the seventies to the point where they got really, really trite. So. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. And this is a breakthrough for Leslie Nielsen because he's oh, yeah, been definitely. a serious actor for like ever. Yeah, yeah, since like the fifties, right? Yeah, and now all of a sudden here he is. He's He's making people laugh. He's got that deadpan humor. Of course, he goes on to do all the naked gun stuff. You know, it's just, it's amazing because he's just the most, um, uh, it's, it's like, that's not what he's supposed to be doing. Most unlikely person to do something like that. Yeah. You know, so, but yeah. Great movie. Yeah, I'd actually seen him. Um, it's something that I really enjoyed, you know, with Amazon Prime lately. Uh, and oh. it's just going back and watching old TV shows. And I've gotten into watching old episodes of Columbo. 
and yeah. Leslie Nelson shows up quite a lot as the bad guy mm-hmm. uh, in, yeah. in TV shows like mm-hmm. that. And it's like, yeah. you know, he was menacing. He was actually, you know, really good at that role. And then for yeah. it, and, and then, but knowing, you know, that his future was going to be, you know, slapstick, if you will, you know, yeah. and it's like, mm-hmm. I, I, yeah. It's like I, I don't know. You know, you've got such a range, dude. You're awesome. Uh, yeah. So. Just goes to show you how often actors in Hollywood get pigeonholed. Yeah. Into doing something, you know, who knows? Maybe Tom Cruise might have actually been a good actor <laughs> if he <laughs> if he didn't get always cast as the pretty boy action star. Oh, I'm sorry. Did I say that out loud? Oh, uh, we everything's go everything goes back to Tom. <laughs> over and over again. <laughs> All right, so we're on to number six. Any which way you can, which is Clint Eastwood, Sandra Locke. Um, so this is, you know, this gave us the iconic tagline, uh, "Right turn, Clyde." You know, and then uh, the, the, you know, the orangutan would, you know, throw his fist wow. out and then, you know, knock over whoever's, yeah. you know, to the right of the car. Yeah. Um, yeah. But uh, you know, this is a fun movie. I absolutely love this movie. Um, I don't know. I, it's like I can't say anything bad about it. I just it, it seemed weird to me that it was, you know, as popular as it was, you know, because it's a basically a you know a, a street fighter, a guy that just takes on you know street fights for betting, and he's got a mm-hmm. monkey, yeah, you know, and and that's it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's really. I mean, there, there's a yeah, little more story kind of to premise. it. You know, yeah, strange premise. It's true. Yeah. But yeah. humble beginnings. I, I would think the monkey, the monkey would be the turnoff for me, mainly because of the smell. But I don't know. <laughs> maybe he bathed often. I, I don't know. I just <laughs> that's a whole lot of monkey. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right. So then, number seven, Private yeah. Benjamin. Uh, and what Private Benjamin was funny. Great movie. Um, I just remember the uh, the one scene where, oh, not actually, it was a follow up scene where she signed up to be join the army. Uh, and you know the recruiters like, oh, we've got you know spas, we've got yachts, you know, and so you know she's now you know transported into boot camp and she's getting yelled at and she tells her sergeant. I don't think I'm at the right place because my recruiter said, you know, we would be yachts, that we would have tennis courts. Where, where are the condos? She said. And, and the sergeant just listened oh to me going, God. oh dear. Oh my God. Oh man. Uh, this was hysterical for me because I saw it in the theater in the army and of course, you know, it's two years past boot camp and it was just fucking spot on. I just died laughing the whole time. It's like recruiters lying to you, telling you all kinds of bullshit. Yes, you go. Yes, of course you can be in. will you can go overseas and and you can play in the army band and you can go to London for your your tour of duty. It's like sign me up. Yeah, you know when I saw London, I saw a freaking airplane hangar while we're getting refueled for three hours. That's what I saw in London. Is that what your career told you? Anyway, my yes, that's what my career told me. 
So it was just like they knew exactly from all of the different types of people that she had to deal with, the drill sergeant, the hideous, horrific female drill sergeant. The man was bad enough because he was sexually molesting all of the soldiers, female soldiers. But she was even worse because she blamed us for coming on to him. I'm like, I'm sorry, is this the 50s now? What the fuck are you talking about you know he's got the power and the rank and all this stuff and we're the ones oh and it was you all slinking around in your short 90s and all this i'm just like oh jesus christ yeah i don't know about you lady but i wear pajamas to bed okay and if i had a granny 90 that went all the way to the floor even better so i don't know you ain't talking to me talking to some of the motherfuckers in there but just the whole Elizabeth, what is it, Eileen Brennan? <laughs> okay. yeah. Sorry, let me she take up the whole segment. But, oh, my God, she was perfect for that role. She was so perfect for that role. Yeah, when they, uh, it was a great scene when they put the blue dye in her shower. <laughs> 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 that was a great scene. That was a great moment. Yeah. And talk about, I mean, when you talk talk about a, a, a story about, you know, female empowerment, to me, this is like a great story of female empowerment, where she was yeah. just this kind of prissy, spoiled chick who, mm-hmm. I, I think, what, she married some rich guy who then died on her honeymoon or something, and then that's yeah. why she decided to go off and join the army. Um, but uh, in some end, with the money or something, I think she got like left out of the will. Or no, something. no, her 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 husband had died. Like they were having sex yes. and he had died. Yeah, yeah that's yeah. right. Yeah, I'm there. No. So she was completely freaked out. Right. Um, but she, you know, and then in the end, she kind of gets. She does go to Europe, and but she gets like kind of sucked into this romance with the, a guy who then kind of pulls her back into being the prissy wife of the wealthy. Mm-hmm. Guy. Mm-hmm. And in the end, she kind of had learned to be her own person and yeah. tell him, no, Henri, fuck off. Goldie <laughs> <laughs> Hawn. Oh, my God. You got to give it to her. She's so yeah. amazing. It was, it was a great arc of that, ca- mm-hmm. that character. It was, yeah. it was very empowering. So. Very empowering. Girl power. Mm-hmm. Help me out here. I'm trying to find the actor that was the, um, it wasn't the, um, Captain Lewis's, it it wasn't Captain Lewis, but her sidekick, her, her sergeant, if you will. Um, remember that. I'm trying to remember who he was. It's an African American gentleman. Not coming to me. Yeah, I'm not finding it. All right. Do you remember his character? I, I, I just remember, like, there was a scene where they were all, like, you know, dancing in the, uh, listening to a radio and then dancing in the barracks. And then, you know, of course, that's right when Captain Lewis shows up and she just kind of ruins the fun. Uh, but he was kind of, like, yeah. into it, you know. He was, like, you know, given, he had some great moves. I just remember <laughs> that. So. Yeah. Oh, my I just gosh. don't remember. Too funny. Because all I found yeah. was Harry Dean Stanton, and he was the recruiter in the movie. So. Yeah. Right. Love Harry Dean. Yeah. 
All right, so number eight was uh, Coal Miner's Daughter, and this was the uh, the one that was kind of a um, biography of Loretta Lynn. Uh, stars Sissy Spacek and Tommy Lee Jones. Um, once again, another powerful movie for me, and it, it's because probably because I didn't know as much as I you know about Loretta Lynn, so this helped fill in those gaps about her. Um, at that time, yeah. I, you know, I wasn't following country music and it wouldn't be, I wouldn't follow country music until much later in my life. But, you know, now that I have the appreciation of, you know, the, the rich history of country, you know, I, you know, this is even more powerful. Um, but yeah, she had very simple beginnings, uh, and Cole Miner's daughter really encapsulated that and showed kind of her evolution of, you know, becoming, the star that she became uh and sissy spacek did a wonderful job uh in that role yeah she was terrific um smoking the bandit 2 uh my question there is what the fuck really guys um <laughs> do we really need a story of the bandit having to haul an elephant across the country no Yes. We don't. <laughs> we, do. we do not need that story. <laughs> Even though it does no. include Jackie Gleason. I wasn't much of a Smokey fan. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, stopped at one, but you went to two. And uh, mm-hmm. why is this number so nine? I don't know. I really don't know why this, <laughs> why, why this is number nine. Why did we all go to see this movie? Um, number, yeah. Number nine? Yeah. Yeah, number nine for like. Don't know. Yeah, yeah. It it, it got sixty six million uh, gross at the box office. Yikes. Um, I can't even say if I watched it or not. Yeah, I. It's one of those that I could have gone the rest of my life without watching and been just fine. Um, like I said, what I needed to see, I saw in the original, the first one. Mm-hmm. Didn't need it. Didn't need a a, mm-hmm. a sequel. Let alone, you know, now, you know, transporting an elephant from Florida to Texas. <laughs> but whatever. Thank you, I guys. I guess it doesn't take much to create a, yeah. a Smoking the Bandit sequel. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and then number 10, Blue Lagoon. Uh, this is Brooke Shields, Christopher Ooh. Atkins. Um, I had, you know, Brooke Shields, absolutely beautiful, you know, and... You know, I mean, let, let alone let's, you know, for what she was giving us with Calvin Klein jeans, you know, but, you know, now in the movie, you know, just, you know, for, you know, this 10-year-old boy, she she's absolutely, you know, just beautiful. Loved. Actually, I love this movie just for that fact. Um, I don't know. Either one of you guys watch it? Maybe pieces of it here and there. Okay. If I I, I don't know. I I thought Brooke Shields was pretty gorgeous, and I was very jealous. Because <laughs> of Christopher Atkins. But um. Or jealous because uh, of how beautiful she was. Yeah, because well, because I wanted to be gorgeous and famous. Okay. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, you know, and in the movies with a good-looking half-naked man. But uh, if I remember seeing, actually seeing the movie, I think the the acting was kind of idiotic from what I remember. It was not really, 
much of a grabber, yeah, you know. <laughs> but you know what the heck? I think I saw it much later. Like if I had seen it as a teenager, I might not have had the same opinion as like seeing it later as an adult. Sure. And and it probably because you know I was crushing on Brooke. That might have been the reason why I probably gave it a little I'm more sure. credit than. Yeah, well, that's why I made all this I'm, money. Yeah. You know. Yeah. You and you know, fifty-eight other million people. Gross <laughs> uh, <laughs> fifty-eight million dollars. I'm just gonna, you know, I was gonna suggest we skip this one and go to the Blues Brothers, but you know, I don't run the show. But and I'm gonna read you the synopsis of this movie. Sure. And no, I did not see it. I just read the box and it went, oh, hell no. Because uh, <laughs> I didn't remember seeing it in the theater. So uh, I would have rented it somewhere down the road. And yeah, so in the Victorian period, two children are shipwrecked on a tropical island in the South Pacific with no adults to guide them. The two make simple a simple life together, unaware that sexual maturity will eventually intervene. Yeah. What were you smoking when you did that one? <laughs> Any of the people that created this movie. <laughs> they shipwrecked a 10 and a 12 year old. And then later on, when puberty kicks in, <laughs> the whole stuff starts to happen. Stuff starts to happen. <laughs> was it brown chicken, brown cow? <laughs> Well, I, I mean, they have some, you know, from what I remember, you know, I mean, these, you know, these kids, you know, being Brooke Shields, Christopher Atkins, they're hitting puberty and they have no frame of reference. They don't have any knowledge that was given to them to understand, you know, why all of a sudden she now bleeds and he's starting to grow hair in all these places, you know, and. You know, and you know, it, it's like how do you deal with that? For that realization, I don't how, know. how do you deal with that when you don't have anybody to consult? You know, or you don't have any kind of frame of reference when you're. About it. It's not like us who can, you know, our kids can jump on the internet to find out, unfortunately, everything that they ever want to know. You know, they didn't. They wouldn't have had that. You know, Dave, Dave, stop sticking up for Brooke. Come on. Sorry. Sorry. You and I both know <laughs> <laughs> there were some sick, twisted people that were involved in making this movie. Oh, you're probably right. And, for, yeah. and, you know, okay, so innocence, you know, gone astray, we get it. They were friends, and then now you know, they have the need to co procreate or whatever the hell you call it. But uh, did it really need to be a movie? Couldn't it have been like an after school special or something like that? <laughs> Uh, fair enough. She could have been in an after-school special. I mean, she wasn't above her. Uh, homegirl did it. What's her name? Oh, you're talking about Christy? Her, yeah, not that. Her and the other one, Talia Shire. Didn't she do a after-school special, or am I thinking of Linda Blair? They all kind of meld into one after a yeah, while. Yeah, it could have been a lot of people. Yeah. Yeah. But, yeah, so it's just like, yeah, good premise for a movie. Clearly, you didn't pull it off very yeah, well. kind of an excuse to just put her in very little clothing. Yeah. Soft Because they knew they could. Was she already in free, baby? I mean. Yeah, yeah. Like, what, what exactly are you trying to, What kind of career are you making for yourself here, honey? So. Well, that was the controversy at the time, was that she was that young. Yeah. But yet, she was very, very sexualized from the time she was, like, 12. 
So yeah, I think her parents were behind her, her mother at least, if I remember. Yeah, yeah. Well, Rose, I mean, you do bring up a good point. You know, Blues Brothers is number 11, and there's actually so many great iconic movies that are on this list. I mean, I'm just looking yeah. down and, you know, Caddyshack, Friday the 13th, mm-hmm. Little Darlings. I mean, we can go yeah. on. Uh, Ordinary People was an amazing emotional oh, movie. Oh, man, was it ever. That was with Mary Tyler Moore, right? Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. And with her taking a complete, like, 180 to what, yeah. what anybody expected of her. She was also was always, you know, the fun, bouncy. Yeah, you know, I almost didn't watch buddy. it because of that. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, she was she was tremendous in this film. And it was very, very painful to watch. Mm-hmm. But, of course, I had to drag my boyfriend to take me to see it. <laughs> I don't think he was ready for it. Uh, well, probably not. <laughs> it was very, you know, brooding type. So, but it was a very, very good movie. Very good movie. And here's what I don't understand: Why does Anna do all the way down to number twenty-nine? I mean, come on, oh, no. that, that should it's really be at number, sure. you know, top five. Definitely should be. You would focus on of all people. <laughs> you know, come on, poor Olivia Newton-John's. You know, just. Crying her heart out because you dissed her over Brooke Shields. Yeah, I, I, I had to bring it up because it's there. Uh, and then number thirty uh, being My Bodyguard, another great movie that Scott and I kind of geeked out about. Yeah, mm-hmm. I still haven't seen it yet though, but I hear it's cute. It is cute. Yeah, like like nice. we said, it's got a little bit of a dark twist to it. Um, yeah, but uh, yeah, um, I, I I would say it's definitely worthy of uh, you know. It, it, from a period piece, you know, from, you know, what you would be looking at from the late 70s, early 80s, when this, you know, you know from when it was filmed, mm-hmm. you know, it, mm-hmm. it, it's definitely, you know, uh, a, a, a wonderful period piece for that. And then once again, us going back to the discussion that we we're having with about Matt Dillon, you know, mm-hmm. him playing the bully, you know, he was awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and those are the roles that he got. He was known for. Yeah. He got cast for. All right. So, what else do we have left here for the year 1980? Do we want to talk about some music? Do you guys yeah. have any of that uh, uh, queued up? I do not have a web page open for that. I don't have anything open for music either. It was it was a big year for music. I thought. Yeah, let me see. Pop culture on the the site. What happened uh, in 1980? Well, mm-hmm. there is a, you know there is a page for uh, uh, a section that says popular musicians, but I mean it's pretty much all over the map. Right. Um, yeah. Blondie, The Cars, David Bowie. That was yeah. You know, the, it's when things. I mean, 1979 really was when like all the kind of new wave type of sound started. The Police. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, David Bowie's on here twice. <laughs> yeah, I know. Well, John too. Um, Pink Floyd. Probably The Wall came out that year, I think, maybe. That's right, Pink Floyd, The Wall. I remember that from 10th grade. Yeah, it was Michael huge Jackson. in my high school. Yep, yeah. number one. Michael Jackson had a big solo album. Right. Yeah, mm-hmm. I found the, the, uh, the, the hit 100 singles of 1980, and number one was Call Me by oh. Blondie. Yeah, Call Me! Loved Blondie. Blondie was awesome. They got so much shit for making that that song. I thought that was terrible. 
And that was from her fans, too. Because they were doing, like, such a... Like, they were doing CBGBs, and they were doing punk stuff, and then all of a sudden they called them sellouts because they had a hit song. It was disco. And then the uh, number two is what you guys already said, Another Brick in the Wall Part 2 by Pink Floyd. Yeah. Number three being Magic, Olivia Newton-John. Uh, I'm sure Xanadu mm-hmm. helped that. Mm-hmm. Uh, number four was Rock With You, Michael Jackson. Yeah. yeah. Uh, number five, Do That To Me One More Time, Captain and Tennille. Yeah. That's a good song. Uh, number six was Crazy Little Thing Called Love by Queen. Yeah. Uh, okay. Seven was uh, Coming Up by Paul McCartney. I don't remember uh-huh. that one. That too, yeah. I do. Yeah. Out, Paul McCartney. All right. That was really cute. Very poppy. Uh, number eight, Funky Town by Lips, Inc. Oh, remember Funky Town. I, I totally do. <laughs> <laughs> Great song. Oh, it was yeah. fun. N- it was. Number nine. It was like the last disco song. Yeah. <laughs> one of these, nice. yes. Yeah, number nine is actually one that I absolutely love. It's called that. It's Still Rock and Roll to Me, Billy Joel. There you go. That's right. Glass Houses came out that year. Yeah. Oh, man. Album. Death. Oh, me too. I loved it. And then number... What was your favorite song off that album? Sorry. Oh, go ahead. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. There's one called All for Lena that I thought was really, really cool. That was my favorite. That was really? Totally... Yeah. Love it. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Billy Joel Besties. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm thinking, I didn't know he spoke French. Is he really speaking? What does those I words mean? <laughs> it's a just translation of what he. It's a translation of what he sings in English in the rest of the song. Yeah, see, so that'll tell you that. <laughs> no, I, I took a little French. It is. Oh, merci. Now I don't know if he speaks French any more than I do, but well. somebody translated for. <laughs> Yeah. There I am again, looking for um, place, place. Nice yeah, Exactly. Talking to myself, you were the one. Yep. It, yeah. I think it translates more into it was you as opposed to uh-huh. you. Were, Probably because it of the pronouns. It was pronouns. you. C'était toi. It was you. So, there you go. <laughs> I know I would love to hear his version of um, We Didn't Start the Fire, but 2020 version. I would love to hear that. <laughs> oh my god! Yeah, they should do. Yeah, they should do a he should. That. Oh, they've been beating his door down for months about that. He's like, "Go away! <laughs> <laughs> Doing it again. Trying to get me I killed." Guess. <laughs> <laughs> I guess, but once all this is over, I don't want to commemorate it in any way, shape, or form. No, get it no. ever happened. You know, and no. you know, to that point. I don't know if we'll be allowed to. Yeah, but, to, to, uh, to that point, that's the reason why I don't watch any of the movies that, you know, around 9-11. Because mm-hmm. it's like, you know, I lived that moment. Not, I mean, I wasn't there, but, I mean, I saw right. it in, you know, all this horrific glory, you know, and yeah. it's imprinted on my brain. And I don't need to see the, you know, the, the, the version of it, you know, the Hollywood version of it, you know. Yeah, I'm not ready that for either. that. Especially because, yeah, I, I lived in New York. I lived on, well, I lived on Long Island at a time. Yeah. Right. And it was difficult. 
Right. And mm. and so it's like, you know, maybe, you know, maybe the generation, you know, the younger generation that are kids right now, you know, maybe they'll do fine with a pandemic related movie. But no, it's like I, I'm already here in the thick of it. I don't need it. <laughs> um, yeah. 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 Um, but getting back to our list of songs, number ten was "The Rose" by Bette Miller. Oh, great song! Yeah. Such a great song. So, just, and movie. So yeah, and and actually, one that showed up on our um, list of yacht rock, number eleven. And I'm not, and I'll stop here. Is uh, "Escape" uh, by Rupert Holmes, the Pina Colada song. Yeah, that's yeah. right. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. It was a good year. <laughs> yeah, that was uh, was it Birdie? Was it? I can't remember. Scott brought that one. Yeah. 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 But yeah, I mean, you could definitely go on and on about some of these songs. Um, all of them very, you know, iconic. I mean, it looked like Sailing. Christopher Cross was in there. Coward mm-hmm. of the County. Yeah, it was a year. Yeah. Coward of the County. Kenny Rogers. I remember that one. Yeah, that was a good yeah. one. Um, yeah, and like I said, I could sit here and just, you know, much like we did with the uh, uh, the movies, I could probably do the same thing here with the songs. Um, but I will stop myself. <laughs> the uh, the only other thing that we haven't talked about is maybe TV shows that came out in 1980. Um, yeah. Let me bring that list up. Let me see if I can find that. Television shows. Yeah. What was going on? Because um, we were over in Germany when with te- television. We, whenever you're overseas, I, I don't know if it's indicative of all people are overseas as soldiers, but everything's six months behind. So. I probably didn't, you know, spoiler alert, get to see JR getting shot until I finally came back to <laughs> And it was in reruns. I remember that being a big deal. I remember watching a lot of soap operas while I was there. Ryan's Hope and uh, General Hospital. Was it? No, that was later in the 80s. I watched General Hospital for Luke and Laura. There was another one that I watched. It was on NBC, I remember. A lot of downtime. Because <laughs> in the military, you know, you don't clock in or out. You know, yeah. you just show up whenever they tell you to. And yeah. you have hours that you work, but if they don't need you, they'll send your butt home. They don't care. So. Mm. I remember taking up crocheting, too. That was fun. All right. <laughs> I didn't make anything. Yeah, for TV, uh, I'm seeing... Magnum P.I. Yep, went on in oh, 1980. Yep. Wow. It's a Living, which was, I, I remember, a show about waitresses in a hotel. Like <sighs> Never watched it. I, I, that sounds um, familiar. I watched it now and then. Crystal Bernard was in it. It was kind of cute. Oh. Uh, Bosom Buddies was on with Tom Hanks. Oh, my God. It's a thing that Tom Hanks started there, right? Peter's <laughs> yeah. area. Yeah. Where are you guys getting your list from? Uh, this is on IMDb. I'm just looking on Google. Oh, okay. All right. What else do we have here? A couple of things that... Too Close for Comfort. A couple I don't even recognize. Oh, Too Close for Comfort. Yeah. Oh, 
Ted, Ted Knight. Yep. That was good. Yeah, I think I watched that now and then. It was always kind of like, like I thought they were doing a little bit of, it was a little derivative of, uh, um, you know, Three's Company, or Too Close for Comfort. And, you know, you had the, yeah. like, the ditzy blonde and the mm-hmm. the brunette who never got enough respect, which I didn't, I didn't like yeah. that dynamic. <laughs> no, I never like cared for it either. <laughs> um, Amazing. A couple of these other ones I don't even recognize. Yeah, it's actually a cartoon that started that it was kind of like another one of those that it was like, why did you have to do that? They actually made a cartoon about the Fonz and the Happy Days gang. Uh, oh, no. Nice. Yeah, and they would actually were they, – they had a spaceship that they would travel in time, and they had a <laughs> dog that was like, you know, dressed like Fonzie, you know, that was like a sidekick. Oh my god, yeah. yeah. It was kind of like a mutt kind of looking yeah. thing. Yeah. I was kind of like, really? really? We need that? <laughs> <laughs> oh my. The world then. Talk about trying to wring the last bit of, of popularity out of a character. Yep. Yeah. Oh, that's oh, incredible. Well Did you guys ever watch that? <gasps> Love that show. That's kind of fun. What was the guy's name that was the host? Uh, it's saying Kathy Lee Crosby, John yeah. Davidson. Yeah. He's done a talk show. I love... And you know, she did... Uh, and I didn't know what had happened to her over the years, but she ended up doing this indie flick recently uh, with uh, Craig Ferguson. And I want to see it. Um, <laughs> call the name of it. But it's super cute. No, she her husband dies, and um, no, I'm thinking of Kathy Lee Gifford. Are you sure it wasn't Kathy Gifford? Not Kathy Lee Crosby. Maybe she was on later years or something. This is Kathy Lee Crosby. That's yeah. Not yeah, she probably was. Anyway, I'm thinking of Kathy Lee Gifford. Never mind, Spectre. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I mean that's incredible. That's I mean, I mean, it was really just them having, you know, people that were doing extraordinary things and they would just show segments of that, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. It was, yeah. Okay. It was amazing. It was an amazing show. But, you know, this is just like, if it was going to be on TV, it was going to be something that was just so mind-blowing that you just couldn't believe it. And they would do, like, let's see that again. Right. Kind of a thing. Like a, somebody rode a horse standing on their head or something like that. And the horse jumped over haystacks. Or so, you know, I'm just making this shit up. Right. But, I mean, it was something that was pretty freaking amazing. Right. Yeah. You know, you'd be like, you know, some guy that was able to just, you know, be able to pull a, you know, tractor trailer or something. Mm-hmm. You know, with with it, yeah, exactly. And it was like, mm-hmm. holy yeah. shit, there's people that can do crap like that. And yeah. it was amazing. Yeah. Early reality television. Yeah, exactly. Early reality TV. Yeah. And then, uh, what was it, that one that later on, the one where they would make fun of everybody, what was that one? The guy from uh, Full House had a huge Oh, America's Funniest Home Videos. They still run on that show. Really? I stopped watching that thing years ago. (laughs) Well, they've been through a couple of hosts since then. Yeah. Well, yeah, 
There's only so many times you can see somebody fall down. <laughs> I know. I can't watch that show because just uh, to watch so many people get hurt. It's yeah. just after a while, it just is masochistic. <laughs> yeah, it is. It's just like I can't. It's just too terrible. Yeah, I, I wow, spend the majority incredible. of my time watching that show, going ooh, ugh. Yeah, 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 just cringing <laughs> and saying, "Why don't you help that person instead of filming them?" Exactly. Yeah, exactly. So will you put down the camera and help him? He's in pain. Are the ones with the little kids? You know, those oh, this is, I can't kids. watch little children getting hurt, and then the parents are standing there with a the camera laughing at them. Yeah, it's just like uh. you know, you're going to be in their tell-all book when they're twenty. You do realize that. Though. <laughs> Sadistic bastards. <laughs> All the truth will come out then. <laughs> All right. So I found the TV show that is a, a cornerstone for the 1980s that started in the year 1980. And that would be Solid Gold. Solid Gold. Feeling Oh my God. I love it was Solid very exciting Gold. time. <laughs> Totally was. Talk about how many hosts did they have? Like Marilyn McCoo had her on there. Say Denny Terrio. Denny Terrio. Oh my god. He was cute for like a year. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, if you remember that was also kinda, you know, when um um like jazzercise and stuff turned into a a big deal, you know, and aerobics turned into a big deal where it, it women would just be running around in these leotards with the shiny tight, the high cut leotards and the shiny tights and the leg warmers and the big clunky sneakers. Oh my gosh, yeah. And then that ended up because, because I always thought that was like a fashion thing. Yeah, it, you know, it you see all these women. Yeah, like that's what that just, brought it up because the solid gold dancers dress like that. Well, not with the leg well, warmers, but the the high cut bodysuits and and tights. Yeah. Well, yeah, and then that led to oh, what was that uh, that sexy exercise show? Sweat until the, the women that did. No, but it's weird how women wear pants or in the gym. You know, they had the sexy music, and they had the 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 unitard with you know the cleavage, and they're all like seductively looking at the camera and there's exercise. It was I can't think of the name of it but it showcased uh, one of the in the movie Earth Girls Are Easy one of the aliens is watching it like on her TV and it's just oh, like. was that from a movie with Jamie Lee Curtis and John Travolta. Perfect. I think it was called Perfect. Oh, yeah, it was called Perfect. Yeah, yeah. But that yeah, this is. I'll have to look it up and I'll I'll send it to you guys. But it was just, and I thought to myself, and it came on like really late at night or super early in the morning, and all you see are these women with these like headbands on that aren't sweating, that are moving to the music, but it looks like soft porn, pretty much. <laughs> yeah, I was like, I don't think regular people exercise like that, but okay, that's the best you could do at three o'clock in the morning. That's good. Yeah, that was that was quite the rage, wasn't it? I mean, I mean, you even had like Olivia Newton-John with "Let's Get Physical." Uh, right, yeah, right. Yeah. You know, uh, yeah. Jane Fonda got in there. Um, yeah, Jane Fonda. Yeah. Share exercise yep. videos yeah. at that time. Everybody did. Yeah. 
spandex so just industry was just booming <laughs> <laughs> making money hand over fist yeah. course line. we did songs from chorus line in one, one of our school right. shows singular sensation <laughs> hey right. oh well, my same. god Singing with everybody in the, dancing around in the leotards and the... yeah to tits and ass right <laughs> <laughs> right yeah yeah i'm not complaining <laughs> I know you're not, but I just, honestly, I, okay, so here's the thing, not really a show person, I, I know plays and Broadway and everything is really super amazing, and I don't besmirch anyone, you know, you're you're a god if you made it on Broadway, or if you did a split stage play or whatever, so here I am, it's Chorus Line, and it's been on Broadway for like, ever, and never saw it, never was in New York, never got a chance to see anything, uh, because I apparently married somebody that lived there. And um, so here it is an opportunity for me to see it on VHS. So I rented a copy and I was sitting there and I'm watching it and I'm like, oh, okay. When Are they ever going to like get to the, the movie? See, I didn't understand the concept. I was <laughs> waiting for them to get yeah, I'm waiting for it to get to the you know the heart of the the movie, and I didn't realize that that was the movie. That is the movie. It's true. And when they go out there, that's the end of the movie. <laughs> like holy it's shit, true. you know. And then I didn't have that experience again until Cats, and then I just didn't even get that. Totally did not get that movie at all. Oh, I didn't. I didn't see the movie. I saw. I saw the. I did see the play. I saw it in in London. And I saw a chorus line on Broadway twice. Wow. See, you're my hero because you actually got to do that. Well, I, did, I lived in Long Island, so we would go into the city. Like, we would go on field trips and stuff. Nice. So I've been yeah. seeing him since I was in, like, fourth grade. Wow. That's amazing. And then I did, I, I did regional theater productions in my 20s. So I was actually glad I saw Kinky Boots as a movie before it became a stage play. At least I know that I wasn't missing anything. Except for Cindy Lauper's music. So. <laughs> yeah, I guess my appreciation of the, the musical thing to a movie, you know, wouldn't even grab hold of me until, like, much later, like Rent. Rent is, to me, oh, powerful. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, that was, it was quite powerful. And movies and sh- shows like that place. They come across once in a lifetime. You just don't. I mean, apparently Lion King is like the biggest thing on Broadway now. Am I making that up, or is it still a big deal? Um, it's still out there. But yeah. Right now, it's closed. So yeah, <laughs> no, but you no, know, before. But there's other stuff. Aladdin is out there, and Cinderella, and like all of okay. everything. Everything closed. Everything stopped at midstream. Or Hamilton. I think probably was the big. There you go. That was the yeah. Recently. Hamilton was the was the big one. So, but yeah. I saw I saw the Lion King a couple times too. Yeah. Because then you're going taking your kids and the and the school takes them there too. So. <laughs> yeah. Then I'm going to places over and over again, but in any case, it was fun. Cool. All right. So, is there anything else for the year 1980 that we need to cover? I think we've exhausted 1980. 
she just beat it to hell. <laughs> in, in all honesty, I mean, from everything that we covered, it feels like it was a lot more upbeat than 1970. Well, maybe. yeah. Well, you know, maybe maybe yes. maybe it's us looking at it from our nostalgic lens. We left a lot of stuff out. Though. Okay. We left a lot of the hurricanes and the thunderstorms. I gotcha. And the earthquakes. I gotcha. Yeah. Yeah. But having said that, it's a whole new era. A lot of things are. Did you see how much more expensive things were? Did you see the price of a VCR? Let me go back to that. Six hundred ninety-nine dollars. Oh. I don't buy that. One. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man, I rented it forever. Just, you know, rented them. I probably I think I rented to own one. It took me almost two years to pay for it. This this pricing, actually, I question some of it Mm -hmm. because I don't know. These this these seem like prices from later in the 80s. They do. just stagnant for a while but this is what i paid for my car in 1987 i mean it was only like a little nissan you know low-end yes. car but it was like 7400 dollars. yeah and gas of 119 i mean when i lived in deer park in like 19 um in 2001 gas was like 125 so how could it have been a 119 in 1980 weird maybe because they were coming across Coming out of the gas crisis, maybe? Yeah, the gas crisis, maybe. There was a spike that year? Possibly. I don't know. Inflation was really high. We'll just yeah, I leave it at that. <laughs> All right, well, just for the listener's sake, what we're looking at is there's a, a list that has cost of living from 1980, and it's given us some uh, some interesting figures. Average cost of a new house is 68700 Um the average income per year is nineteen thousand five hundred. Uh, average. Yeah, I question that too. Oh, really? Okay. Uh, yeah, because uh, well, I don't know. I guess maybe it depends on where in the in the country you're talking about. Because nineteen eighty six, I got my first job. It was in Manhattan. It was an entry level salary, and it was seventeen thousand, yeah, you know, seventeen nine or something. Um, yeah. And that's, you know, that's I, I don't know. To me, it seems skewed. Okay. For nineteen, you know, for nineteen eighty, for that to be the average income, yeah. Well, I mean, you would have had people Weird. that was doing better than uh, you know your entry salary, you know, and they they would skew the results, right? Yeah, but that's what I mean. So to have an at the average income for everyone in the country be only two thousand dollars more. Then what I was making, you know, my very first job just six years later, right. to me, mm-hmm. that doesn't seem right. Gotcha. Because nobody was telling me that was a great salary at the time. <laughs> <laughs> I could barely afford my, you know, freaking apartment. Yeah. Well, an intern, yeah. Lucky you got paid at all. <laughs> so if you wanted a, uh, a pound of ground beef, it would have cost you a dollar thirty-nine. Uh, if you want a Pontiac Firebird, it would have cost you $5,992. Uh, Mr. and Mrs. Potato Head would have cost you $4.77. <laughs> uh, and if you were trying to rock a three-piece suit, men's suit, it would have cost you $89.95. Mm. 
So uh, a lot of good stuff there. That sounds about right. Yeah. yeah. Seems a little high for a men's suit, but yeah, I guess. Well, hopefully it was made of velour. Um, so. <laughs> yeah, there you go. That's why. No more polyester suits for us. Yes. Rocking the velour. And jumpsuit, short jumpsuit. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> I think jumpsuits. I think of those boiler jumpsuits that Mister. Uh, oh, was that Freeze Company when uh, Don Knotts? Mister Hurley. <laughs> <laughs> With the side scarf. <laughs> it's like cutting. You need to stop. <laughs> you need to stop. <laughs> he thought he was all out of a bag of chips. That was awesome. <laughs> yeah, I don't think I've oh, ever yeah. in any of my life had I ever thought I needed a vest. You know, mm. now when I got married, okay, tuxedo, sure, I had one. Mm-hmm. Um, and but nowhere in my professional adult life have I thought, okay, this needs another piece. You know, from when I've had to wear a suit. <laughs> Keep my shirt tucked in on all sides, nice. like it looks smooth and neat. Um, we were watching a stand-up guy yesterday. Uh, I can't remember his mark something or other. He was talking about this wedding that he went to for his cousin, and her dad had uh, the tuxedo, uh, and everything was brought to him with the bow tie and the the jacket and the pants and the cummerbund, but there was no shirt. So instead of actually going to get a shirt, he wore it without it. (laughs) Oh, no. Yeah. uh, That's a fashion statement. Yeah, well, yeah, and it it was, I think they were, like, from Alabama or something, so they were talking about how cheap the wedding was and everything. But at the end of the stand-up, it shows pictures of, you know, everybody who was in the wedding, and it showed her dad, sure enough, you know, big, hairy, chested, (laughs) brutish-looking thing in a black tuxedo. (laughs) No shirt. Yikes. Like, yikes is right. Like, dude, seriously. <laughs> so, yeah, you go not wearing your vest. Okay? <laughs> Just make sure you have a shirt. Yeah. <laughs> I always had that shirt, the tie, you know, all that part, yes. But I never once thought, you know, shit, I need to add a vest here. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, but, you know, I mean, that was uh, 1980. So, I, I, I think, had I been, you know, at the ripe old age of 10 needing to wear a three-piece suit yeah. then uh that's what i've been that's what i would have been rocking so yeah. yeah and you never know your mom might have made you wear one <laughs> 70s yes grandma. i don't remember that in the 80s that was a grandma thing yeah. uh, all right so anything else from the year 1980 i'm good i'm good as well outstanding <laughs> All right, so, listener, for your enjoyment, we are going to do one more of these, and we're going to be covering the year 1990 on that one. Uh, so that's what's going to be next for us. Uh, so look forward to that. That's going to be our uh, continuation of our year-end wrap-up kind of uh, uh, series. Uh, this is part of the show. We remind you we have a website out there. That's bonsairetroclub.com. So please go on that. Please follow all of our social media endeavors, whether it be your Facebook, Twitter, Tumblr, or 
Well, shit. Did I say Tumblr? I don't think anybody's doing that anymore. Um, I couldn't tell you. I never had a Tumblr. Yeah, well, so I did it one time. It was for a minute. <laughs> um, so uh, um, Instagram is kind of what I thought I meant there. Uh, so yeah, go out there, follow us along, you know, everything that we're doing there. If you want to, you know, interact with us, we'd love to hear from you. So whether that be a rating review on your favorite podcast platform of choice, whether it be iTunes or all of the other ones that are out there, you know, your Spotify, your iHeartRadio, we'd love to get that feedback. You want to drop us an email. That's McFly at BonsaiRetroClub.com. Uh, so there's something, you know, I, I'm sure every episode, there's probably some detail that we get wonky and I, I'm sure you're listening to it and you're going, you're getting batshit crazy and you're like, what the hell guys, come on. We'd love to get that feedback from you. So please do that for us. Uh, I, I know Rose always asks for it uh, and I would lo- I'd love yeah. to read it. <laughs> so, uh, Me too. You know. hmm. um, so, uh, with all of that, we want to remind everybody, be excellent to each other, and have a good whatever. Bye-bye. Bye. Merry Christmas, everybody. Merry Christmas. This has been a Bonsai Retro Club production. Bonsai, Daniel you Hey, Bonsai! Banzai! Banzai! Banzai!